0: Hey everyone, welcome into this edition of the WTOC Sports Podcast. Jake Wallace and Lindsay Goff coming to you. We're recording this on Sunday night as we get ready for Thanksgiving week. Um, It's a big week for all of us who enjoy food and also for all of us who enjoy high school football as uh, we're getting the playoffs started this week in the state of Georgia. Lindsay, normally the thing you say is we want to be practicing on Thanksgiving because that means you're playing in the semifinals. Now, if you've made the playoffs, you're going to be practicing on Thanksgiving it's a little different year. It's very 2020, uh, but I think it's, it's a big deal that we've even just gotten to this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I know we've said this so many times, but over the summer, you know, we weren't even sure that we would get a football season at all. So to make it to Thanksgiving and things in our area, relatively haven't had too many issues. We have had some games canceled and moved, but, you know, we've had enough to do a show every Friday night, and I think that says a lot about the teams taking these precautions seriously, and the schools doing the right things, and um, yeah, glad, glad we have teams practicing on Thanksgiving, and you mentioned food and football. I mean, those are my two favorite things, so Thanksgiving is an elite holiday.
0: Yeah, one of the best. It, it's probably 1A for me in terms of holiday rankings, but Let's get into it. Before we start talking playoffs, we're going to talk with uh, John Nelson of GPB Sports as we look ahead to the playoffs. But let's at least digest a little bit of what happened on Friday, the final Friday night of the regular season in the state of Georgia. And, Lindsay, we still had a lot to take care of, a lot of things to kind of tidy up and get ready before we could even get to the playoffs. One of those things was the Region 3A Private Championship, Samantha Christian keeps it simple. They take down Country Day 48-28 at Pooler. That was a game that was actually closer than the score would indicate. Um, And the Raiders get it done. They go undefeated in region play, and they win the region title. It was a 21-20 Raider lead at halftime. Country Day came out, scored on their opening possession of the second half, scored the two-point conversion, went up 28-21, and it felt like all the momentum was – in the Hornets' favor is SCD was trying to pull off the upset and make things get complicated. And then ensuing kickoff, George Futch, 95 yards to tie the game, and the Raiders took off from there. So Savannah Christian, we thought, was probably the best team in that region all season. Uh, they prove it. They win the region title, and now they get the benefit of a first-round buy. So they'll get to sit and watch everyone this week as they get ready for a second-round playoff game.
1: Yeah, Country Day and Calvary kept things interesting with wins over Aquinas, and it really came down to the wire on that one. I think it was kind of organized chaos, and we were playing the what-if scenarios, but it worked itself out and ended the way we kind of thought it would, um, despite all the chaos. So, you know, the Raiders back on top, nothing new here.
0: Yeah, so the Raiders are region champs. Calvary gets the two seed with a win over Aquinas. Country Day will be the three. Aquinas is the four in that region. One other thing that we saw was the city championship and uh, Slobberknocker is the best way to describe that game over at Island Stadium. Between Windsor Forest and Island's the Knights in the Sharks' chance at an outright city championship and undefeated regular season with a 10-7 victory over islands. Um, Lindsay, we'd seen all year just kind of how good these two teams were on the defensive front, the offensive and defensive front. And Friday night, it just felt like two Titans meeting in the middle and nobody really gaining an advantage It was scoreless in the first half, a number of turnovers from the Knights. Islands, I think, is probably going to be beating themselves up over this one for a little while. Um, Just some mental mistakes, a lot of penalties out of the Sharks that really took away some chances that they could have had to tie the game later, take the lead early on. Um, But what I saw was two good football teams Friday night and two teams that – I think can make some noise in the state playoffs. Windsor's going to have a tough trek of it, uh, but the Knights are certainly no pushover. And I think despite the loss, Islands is still a really good football team with a a good offensive and a good defensive line.
1: Looking at the score, you were there. I wasn't. It, It seems like it was a really good defensive matchup, only two touchdowns and a field goal in the entire game. And you mentioned those islands mistakes. And we saw that the week before when they played Savannah, it just so happens that islands was a better team than Savannah. And so those mistakes didn't come back to impact them as much, but that says a lot about Windsor forest that they were able to slow down Jaden Adams. Cause not only can he get you with his arm, he's also got legs. I mean, I have arms and legs, but not like that. <laughs> he's he's a dual threat and a dangerous force for islands. Um, you almost have to wonder if they got ahead of themselves a little bit with the mental mistakes and maybe they're looking forward to the state playoffs. I don't know. Um, they're, they're a good team, so I'm sure they expect to be there, but, um, yeah, it says a lot about Windsor Forest. They started off with a couple of losses, but, um, new head coach has really turned it around for them.
0: Yeah. Jeb Stewart kind of talks about how, how, You know, they were going to go about this game like any other game, and they seemed to and played well and and were able to overcome a number of turnovers in the first half and and played their game, ran the ball, and and played good defense, and they get a victory. It forces a three-way tie for the city championship. So Windsor Forest, Islands, and New Hampstead can all claim a share of the 2020 Savannah City Championship. Up next for those teams, Islands will host Hardaway, on Saturday at Memorial Stadium, that's a four o'clock kickoff Saturday afternoon in the first round of the playoffs. Windsor Forest will go to Chris County, not an easy uh, first round matchup for the Knights as they go down to the watermelon capital of the world in Cordial to take on the Chris County Cougars, and then New Hampstead going across the state to take on Lagrange um, in their first round matchup. So, my question is,
1: is: Do you play? Watermelon Crawl all week uh, during practice to get ready for that, or how does that work?
0: I'm just going to say I saw Tracy Bird perform Watermelon Crawl at a racetrack in Corbeal when I was like six years old.
1: That's honestly your biggest flex.
0: It's it's one of the the greatest tidbits about my life. I'm I'm not going to be honest (laughs) with you. I'm surprised it took me this long to bring it out. A couple other teams – Clinching region championships, Glen Academy did so Friday night with a win at Statesboro. The Red Terrors will be the one seed in Region 2-6A. How about Pierce County going to Baxley, going to Jimmy Swain Stadium, taking down Appling County, previously undefeated Appling County, 28-21 to win the Region 1 AAA title. The Bears were down 14-0 at one point in that game. Rally back to win 28-21, their 12th consecutive region victory, their third consecutive region title. Those were two – that, that Pierce County-Appling County game, Lindsay, was one of the games we were really looking forward to, and it lived up to the hype.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, an absolute slugfest from two really, really good teams. Um, I was a little surprised, I think, at the outcome. You weren't um, – You've seen them, I believe, more than I have this year. But, man, that was a fun one.
0: Absolutely. Great atmosphere in in Baxley. And two good teams. Both of those teams are going to have a potential chance.
1: Yeah, for sure. Dangerous.
0: Yeah, in the AAA playoffs, and, and we'll get those going. So to talk a little bit more about the playoffs right now, a guy who knows more about Georgia high school football than anyone I know, that would be John Nelson of GPB Sports. He was kind and gracious enough to spend a little time with me earlier today talking about the playoffs coming up starting this Friday. Here's that interview with GPB Sports' John Nelson. All right, joined by John Nelson of GPB Sports on the WGFC Sports Podcast as we get ready for high school football playoffs in the state of Georgia. And and John, we'll we'll get right into it. I know this is a busy time for you. This is kind of your expertise. but. We, we spoke at the beginning of the season, and we talked about this was the goal. And so I'll ask you, how much of a victory is it for Georgia, for, for the players, the coaches, the schools, to even just get to this point where we're at the playoffs?
2: Absolute victory across the board. And I think that when you go out on a football Thursday, Friday, or a Saturday, if you're able to attend a game, or even if you see folks in your own community that have been part and parcel to making this a success – Go ahead, give them a fist bump. Go ahead and give them the elbow because it is well-deserved across the board. Because, I mean, think about all the investment that has gone in from the most basic levels in all of this. And this has been a series of one-week auditions where all of your protocols are in place and you get to 315 on a game day and hop on a bus or you get to your field house after school lets out and you're hoping that everything that you've done that week gets you to that particular time to where you can get ready to play. And we've seen it happen a couple of different ways. We, you know, we knew that there would be some cancellations, some postponements, some rearranging of schedules. Uh, some schools up in northwest Georgia had to play five games in 19 days to get everything online. Some schools decided, okay, we're not going to do any uh, non-region games. We're just going to do region play. You know, the way things are in Savannah, where it's just going to be city and county all enveloped into one. It's a bunch of different ways to get to where we are right now. And it's the, the fun part is still continuing. But these one week auditions to get us to that next week, we're now into that first week of a new round of auditions because it's the postseason.
0: Well, and that makes me ask our next question, which is how is this going to impact the playoffs? We've we've seen all year where Georgia's – exactly, fingers crossed. But we've seen all year where Georgia said, hey, we're not going to punish anybody if you can't play a game. But now, hey, we got to play a game. So you know the coaches are telling the kids, all right, we got here. Now let's see what we can do. You've got to stay in line. How do you think we're going to see – COVID and these new protocols impact these state playoffs?
2: I hope that they don't, to be perfectly honest. And you know that it's always there in the back of your mind. I know that uh, for you and everyone there in the sports department, everyone there in the news department, it's a story that has had legs ever since March. You know, And what you're hoping is that these auditions that we were talking about just a second ago can continue to have you move forward. But short of moving a game a day, that's about the only leeway I think that you could have. And it would have to be mutually agreed to by both schools and, and the Georgia High School Association to do something like that. That would be the only wiggle room that I could see. And that's not a whole lot of wiggle room. So I, you, know, you want, as you were talking about, and as you know, we're looking at each other in the, Z- the Zoom universe, your fingers are crossed that all these protocols that you have figured out don't lead to anything having to do with a postponement of a day or a cancellation outright. Because of all of the hard work that you've invested to get to this point, you just hope that everything, that all those rules that were put in place don't have to come into effect for a postseason.
0: Yeah, and, and that's the hope, and it's been the hope all year, and now, as you mentioned, it's a little more serious because that wiggle room certainly does shrink a great deal as really we're trying to get to the 28th 29th and 30th of december hand out some trophies and then we can really say hey we did it and that's the goal talking with john nelson gpb sports let's talk some actual football and let's talk some of these actual teams you mentioned earlier how chatham county played intra district only only teams in their county in terms of the public school teams and so we have some, some pretty good teams in Islands who went 6-1, and one, a Windsor Forest who went 6-1, and one, New Hampstead, but we haven't seen them step out of Chatham County. And so I ask you now, as these teams get ready for state playoff runs, how good do we know they are?
2: Well, I think that, you know, you go with the eye test and you go with the, the history that led into this season. And you sit there and it's like, okay, what did we lose coming in? What did we gain? Who stayed? And I think that one of the places that I think we can all focus on is the offensive and defensive lines. And if the continuity has been there in the trenches for you, I think that that's big because you want that continuity to keep your quarterback upright and make sure that your offense can function. And so the teams that across the board, mind you, the teams across the board, that have that veteran presence on the offensive and defensive sides, I think that if you can sit there and take that as a test case, I think that that will be a good indicator about how good any team is. I think that if you look at the case of islands, I think, and this is another aspect in all of this that I think that we all need to consider. And it's something that we consider during normal playoff years. You're looking at travel and for a team like Hardaway who is a three-seed having to, as our dear friend Tommy Palmer used to say, pack a lunch and a dinner to come from Columbus and come all the way over to Islands and play on one end of the state to the other. That's going to be a tough task for the Hawks to to go up and play a, a team like Islands, who, if things fall in place, could have Bainbridge waiting in the wings in round number two. You look at a new Hampstead team with what Kyle Hockman has been able to do in a very short period of time. We all know his pedigree in the Atlanta area with what he was able to do at a place like McEachern, and he's been able to turn that team around in, in short order. You know, uh, Jenkins has to go the other way. As that fourth seed, they've got to go see Carver Columbus. And so uh, you have travel for me is one of the, the big neutralizers in all of this. Home field advantage, I think, is going to be big but look at offensive and defensive lines to to really determine how locked in teams can be when it comes to this time of year.
0: And as teams that we've seen islands and Windsor forest, especially Friday night when they played each other, there was not a lot of movement as it was two kind of colossal forces going against each other. Uh, islands will be at home. You mentioned against Hardaway. That's going to be a Saturday game here at Memorial stadium. Windsor forest going to go on the road and they'll get tested by Chris County. So uh, a good couple matchups there for our Chatham County schools. So the, the brackets are set, John, and we've got a number of seed, top seeds in our area that have played tremendous all year. wanted to ask you, who among the top seeds in our area you think maybe have that best chance at a title run? Is it a metter who went 10-0 and and just snuffed people out defensively? Or is it a Savannah Christian, a a Vidalia, a Benedictine? Who do you look at and and see their road as that team's got state title potential? The answer is yes.
2: (laughs) So let's break it down. All right, Benedictine. You look at Benedictine, and for those who are listening or watching, you're looking in the upper left-hand side of your quad A bracket. Benedictine, as the number one, they have troop coming to town. That, once again, Tanner Glisten, we all, all know what the troop Tigers can do. But I think that Benedictine, if they can get out of the game with Troop, they can get past a Cairo. And once again, this is looking at lower seeds and not taking upsets into consideration here. I think that you can look at a Benedictine team, and they might be able to make it into a semifinal. Because if you look at their bracket, upper left, here's your rundown. We talked about Cairo. You get out of your mini-bracket. Then you're looking at the survivor of Riverdale, Cedar Shoals, Northwest Whitfield, and Stevenson. I think that opens a door for a team like Benedictine if, if uh, things fall the way that we think that they can. If you look in public, I know that uh, you know. in catching up with the folks in Metter earlier this year, you're looking at uh, a team like Metter to make that kind of a run. And it's been fun to see them at the, the top of the, the rankings for most of the season. They've got a bit of a tough one with Turner County because Turner County has been able to, in the region of Doom and region two single A, as we call it, uh, they've been really tough up against a team like an Earl and a team like a Brooks. If Metter can get past Turner, then you're looking at a team like Mitchell County. And Mitchell County, last season, Mitchell County and Pelham were one and two out of region one, one of the toughest regions in single A. So that presents itself a very tough test. But once again, remember, Mitchell County would have to pick up and come to Metter for that round two. Then you look at the rest of that, the rest of that upper left. If you're looking at a team like Metter, Macon County, which would be a tough one. Social Circle, Warren County, and Mount Zion. So it's a bit of a tougher bracket, you know, for a team like Benedictine. So those would be the the top two off of just looking at things in a very cursory manner. But uh, those top seeds, to me, I would focus on those two. when you're looking at Metter in the single A, and, and you're looking elsewhere down the line when it comes to a team like a a uh, benedictine you look at bidalia what we've seen from bidalia in double a bidalia the problem with bidalia is that they're in one of the toughest sections when you're looking at double a bidalia and as uh matt and i refer to uh, the offensive lineman for blackley county big mims mems mm-hmm. a- in blackley county are a four c coming to bidalia in round one that could present some problems but You get out of that, Vidalia's mini bracket is tough because you're talking about Early County and Putnam County. And then if you get past that, you're looking at a Rabin County and Gunner Stockton or a Harrelson County with their running game. And that's a first round matchup in its own as a one and a four. So Vidalia, they will earn it coming out of low left and double A they're
0: going to have to get past a Blackley County team that's already beaten them once this year. Now,
2: Jason Cameron told
0: me earlier, we're so much improved from where we were at that point in the year. That was just their second game. They missed a game due to some COVID issues early in the season, and they've gone on a run. But like you mentioned, you don't see a lot of five-star offensive linemen in your first-round game, and that's what Vidalia is facing. The thing about Benedictine, and I've said this, and you know they did what they could – they haven't played a game in a while. They've had a few cancellations, a few games fallen out of out of their schedule. And so they held an intra-squad scrimmage last week just to get a game a little bit. So that's one thing you hope if you're a Cadet fan, maybe that kicked off the rust a little bit and you can get right back into game mode. The 1Cs are always fun to talk about, John, but you know what the playoffs are about. It's about Cinderella's. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Who's the, who's the Savannah-Southeast Georgia team that maybe you could see a Cinderella run out?
2: New Hampstead, and I'll tell you why. I think that you look at New Hampstead and their mini bracket. It's that first-round matchup. They'd have to go to LaGrange, but LaGrange had to block a, a last-second kick to get the two-seed in, in beating Hardaway the last week of the regular season. Then you get past that, Westover and Perry. And so I look at, once again, we talked about Kyle Hockman and what he's been able to do in a postseason. I think that that kind of experience and that kind of coaching experience can lend itself to a team that is on the rise like a New Hampstead. I think that New Hampstead can really do some damage in their mini bracket if things fall their way and they can shake off that road rust of having to, to hop off the yellow hound and just be ready to play as, uh, you know, as we all know that these three and four seeds are when it comes to how things could lay out, you know, so that for me would be the one that sticks out off the top of my head. Windsor Forest is going to have a tall order going to Crisp to take on, uh, uh, to go to Cordial to take on Crisp coming out of the blocks. I think it's going to be a tall order for them. So the one that really does stick out for me would be a New Hampstead.
0: And it makes sense because when you look at them and you say, well, they're a three seed, but they only lost one game this year and it was to islands. It's kind of part of how the way the intra worked out when they, they knew they were going on the road when they didn't beat Jenkins, but they're 6-1, and one and their offense has been humming pretty much all year. I like that pick. John Nelson, GPB Sports, you can follow him, and you should follow him at this time of year if you're a high school football fan. Going to help keep your brackets updated, help let you know everything that's going on around the state. One of the best guys to follow about high school football. John, thank you for the time. Thanks for the expertise. Looking forward to talking to you throughout the playoffs, man.
2: Be well, my friend. We'll catch up soon.
0: All right, I want to thank John for his time. Always good to talk to him and and someone that you should be following if you're a high school football fan in the state of Georgia. He'll be there handing out trophies uh, the final weekend of the year, and uh, he'll be following all the action just like we will from across the state over the next five weeks. All right, Lindsey, let's talk about college football because we have some – some serious stuff to talk Hold about. Hold
1: up. We, we got to talk about some other high school teams really we quick. We do.
0: We do. We do. The South. Don't Carolina, forget about our
1: low country teams.
0: Our, our state championship low country teams. Thank you for not exactly. letting me get ahead of myself. Hilton Head Christian, <laughs> they were uh, finished the job Saturday. They were the, the state title favorites for most of the year, and they showed why on Saturday.
1: Man, what a cool weekend. So – Hilton Head Christian had the early game and they just sailed past Carolina Academy, forty-two to fourteen. Last year they lost a heartbreaker in this game in overtime. They were able to avenge that loss. It's their first state championship since twenty twelve. They're a perfect twelve and zero. Head coach Ron Paduzzi, his son, the senior quarterback, they win the state title together. I mean, that's like a that's like a storybook game, storybook ending. So congrats to the Eagles, but they weren't the only ones. Thomas Hayward won their third straight Schizo 1A title, 46-14 to 14 over Lee Academy. Both of those games were played at Charleston Southern. Um, you know, great games from both of those teams. You can't say enough about how good and dominant they've been.
0: Yeah, and, and for Hayward, you mentioned the three-peat, one of the hardest things to do in sports. Uh, Thomas Hayward uh, dropped their opening game of the year and then rattled off Uh, the rest of the season 11 straight 11 straight straight with victories and then he Christian I think the thing that's so interesting about the Eagles Lindsay is you mentioned they lose it overtime last year as for a state championship and had a number of kids come back and spoke with the team earlier this week and they talked about how the the goal all year was to finish the job and and coach Peduzzi told me he felt like the team never really wanted to leave never really left the field after losing last year, they just, the goal is to just be back there and, and win the last game. They do that. They did it in convincing fashion. And that's really how they did all season. They were not in a whole lot of close games. Um, Another little tip, you know, thing to add to it. They're, they're leaving their, their original campus there on Hilton head Island. They'll be going to a a new campus on Bluffton next year. So they close out their time at, on Hilton Head Island with a state championship, a perfect season, one the Eagles will never forget. And then I think the thing for Thomas Hayward, they were so cool, calm, and collected last week. They knew what they were doing. they have been there before. they won two straight. I asked head coach Nick Shuford and, and, and some of the guys, you know, what's the difference between three and two in a row? And I think it's this, Lindsay – to win three in a row is so difficult. It doesn't happen a lot. And I think the reason that it's so difficult is because the target on your back, even after winning oh, two yeah. in a row, becomes so much larger because it seems like everyone is just gunning for it. We're not going to let them, we're not going to let them do it again.
1: Yeah. Um, coach Schufer actually told low Coast sports, um, he said, "I wondered if it would feel as good as the first two. It feels every bit as good. A state title's a state title, so you have to imagine three state, three straight might even feel a little bit better." Um, but yeah, I mean, they've just absolutely been a dominant, dominant force in Skiza as over the last just, five years, ten yeah. years. <laughs> just
0: adding to a legacy of state championships over there in Ridgeland. Um, but this three-year run has yeah. certainly been been special for the Rebels. So So congrats to both of those
1: teams. Uh,
0: Tremendous seasons. Um, They were the best teams in those classes all year, and uh, it's good to see them uh, finish it off and win a state championship. All right, now let's talk about college football, because like I said, we do have a lot to talk about, especially uh, with the Georgia Bulldogs and the Georgia Southern Eagles. We'll start with Georgia Lindsey. They they break out the black jerseys. They take down.
1: Which I love, by the way. Those look great.
0: Right. And and Georgia fans have been have loved to see those with the rare occasions that they get taken out of the box, but a, a probably not the, the kind of win Georgia fans expected against an undermanned Mississippi State team. They win 31-24, but they looked like a completely different football team than the Georgia team we've come to expect under Kirby Smart. And it wasn't just the, the, the defensive struggles that we saw against that air raid attack. Offensively, Georgia looked they, – they flipped. They had a one 180-degree flip. 401 yards passing, four passing touchdowns out of new starting quarterback JT Daniels, the most passing yards by a Georgia quarterback since Aaron Murray seven years ago. And dog fans are happy to see it, but, Lindsay, there's, there's a lot of questions – Yes, today, and there will be over the next – probably the rest of the season, what took so long for JT Daniels to get the starting job?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I watched his post-game press conference. He was asked that. He was humble. You know, he was like, obviously, I don't make those decisions. Uh, It was his first time playing in a game since, like, August of 2019, he said. Um, And he was just happy to be back out there, and he looked good. Now, the Dogs didn't really get a run game going at all. And I think if you're playing – maybe a better opponent than Mississippi State that factors in. But, um, you know, what they were doing Saturday certainly worked for them. The defense clearly still a little banged up and missing Richard LeCount. Um, but a win is a win. You know, we were wondering after they lost to, um, to Alabama, you know, Florida, yeah, sorry, Florida, um, if they would be motivated. The rest of the season, you know, we've seen South Carolina had some players opt out when Will Muschamp was fired. We've seen um, players opt out all season and, you know, once you're out of college football playoff contention and they're not going to get to go to one of the shiny bowl games that they would like to go to what motivates this Georgia team and they said after that Florida loss, you know, we've got to look within we've got to find that in ourselves, we got to play for us and play for Georgia. And they were able to pull off the win, the Battle of the Bulldogs, on Saturday, um, which has to give Georgia fans, I think, some encouragement moving forward that they're not just totally going to, like, give up on the rest of this season.
0: Georgia will be favored in every game the rest of the way. Um, the, yeah. The ability for, for the Dogs to potentially go 8-2 and two and and maybe get a New Year's Six Bowl is certainly still there. Um Absolutely, but I do think that Georgia fans are gonna. It, it, and listen, it was one game. This was this was not a a. No one's gonna confuse this Mississippi State defense with the eighty five Bears, and they were undermanned <laughs> at the beginning anyway. But I think what you're gonna see is if Daniels continues to have these kinds of games, and the offense looks like this, you are. There's gonna be a lot of encouragement for twenty twenty one. But I think Georgia fans are going to kind of look back and go,
1: what, you know. If they had made this change prior to Florida, where would we be? The, the,
0: they, they, did, they had the explosiveness that they had talked about all year against Mississippi, Mississippi State that they didn't have against Alabama, that they didn't have against Florida. And you just, it's going to leave a lot of questions about what happened. Kirby addressed some of them. He said, I understand where those are coming from. Uh, but he was a little defensive about it. He said, I've been coaching for nearly 25 years. Todd Munkin's been coaching a long, longer than that. We made the decisions. But it's certainly one I think Georgia fans are going to be asking about uh, as they look back at the 2020 season. Another team that will probably – And if I was happy- a
1: Georgia fan, I would do the same thing.
0: Yeah, there, there's, no, there's no blaming Georgia fans for, for wondering why it took this long. And I think that's something that they're probably at this point just going to have to live with and start looking forward to 2021. All right, a, a loss that I think fans of Georgia Southern are going to be wondering about is the, the loss against Army Saturday, 28-27. The Eagles fall short at West Point. The chance of a game-winning field goal slips away in the final seconds for the Eagles. Um, they led 14 nothing early in the game and, and, you know, had two fumbles that, that they were able to turn into touchdowns um, before Army rallied back a long drive in the second half to, to take the lead. Special teams mistakes out of the Eagles throughout the game, a blocked punt, a a missed chip shot field goal, and a blocked extra point, really the difference. But what Mm -hmm. everyone's going to remember about the trip to West Point is the clock ticking away and Southern not getting the chance to get Alex Rayner a a look at a potential game-winning field goal.
1: And that call, I think, is somewhat questionable because if you look at the video, it looks like there's a second left on the clock. But either way, um, you know, had Georgia Southern not made some of those mistakes, it might not have come down to that, and it might not have mattered. Um, well, the good, let's the good with news.
0: This. Let's, let's remember this: you do have to have more than a second left. To yeah. snap the ball, you can't just have one second and snap the ball. Every play is going to take some time, so that's part of the 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 thing here is that
1: yeah, just clock management.
0: Right. Snapping it with one second does not mean – and spiking it does not mean you get a second. Every play is going to take some time. The the big thing that's going to come out of this, and, and we heard Chad Lunsford say it after the game, and you read the quotes and you hear it, him saying, this one's on me. It was my decision. I felt like we could have gotten closer and given ourselves a better shot at it. I thought we had time to spike it, and they didn't. And I'm sure Lunsford is still kicking himself over – what was kind of the final minute of that game. But this is a a Southern team that now has three games to really define their 2020 season. They're three tough games. They're going to be an underdog this week at Georgia State. Southern can't let this one dwell, or you're going to find yourself really not liking the results in twenty twenty.
1: The good news is the Army is at least a non-conference loss. So, you know, when things are playing out in the Sun Belt at the end of the year, hopefully that doesn't come back to bite them too much. But to add insult to injury, they also had a nightmare trying to get back to Savannah. You know, um, they, I, they sat at the airport for like, I don't even know how long, hours, like eight hours. And mechanical extra night. With multiple planes, they went, got a hotel, stayed the night. They didn't get back to Savannah until like six o'clock tonight, Sunday night, and then had to drive an hour back to Statesboro. So they definitely had time to reflect on that game for sure.
0: Yeah, and now you wonder about moving forward because now that's going to throw off your your preparation, your week of preparation for the Georgia State game coming up Saturday in Atlanta. Yeah. And so this was really a a tough weekend all around for Georgia Southern and the Eagles. But you have to know, if you're a Southern fan, missed opportunities in that Army game, you just hope that they don't linger. You can't let a loss, you can't lose the same game two weekends in a row. And if they let it linger, they're going to play a Georgia State team that's playing with a lot of confidence. And then you got App and you got Florida Atlantic. Those are three games that that you know Southern's going to have to play well to win, and uh, that's a couple losses would certainly I think tarnish what what some people thought was a, a had a chance to be a really good season coming in, in 2020. Still can be for Georgia Southern, um, but they certainly want to get things turned around this week in Atlanta.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: All right, so. Coming up later this week, Lindsay and I will have another podcast for you. It will be coming out Friday morning before the state playoffs. We're going to take Thursday off, enjoy all of our turkey and tryptophan, probably pass out on the couch around 4 o'clock. And then we'll be back with you on Friday with another edition of the Zone Podcast as we get ready for Friday night's first round of the state playoffs around the state of Georgia. Really looking forward to it. Uh, Lindsay, this is one of the best times of the year the high school football playoffs. And uh, I think this first round has a real chance to be terrific.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for it. This is going to be a good week, and we're going to have full bellies heading into it, so that never hurts anything.
0: Gear up, prepare yourself, wear your stretchy eating pants, and be back here with us Friday for another edition of the End Zone Podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you later